morning everybody, it is Wednesday the 28th of July and not such a flash morning first thing this morning, Dow Jones down 86, it was down 266 at one point though, so a bit of a bounce, futures this morning down 24, bond yields in the US continue to drift under 1.25% now. Gold unchanged, Bitcoin down 3.5%. A few interesting issues going on in the market. One is the sell-off in the Chinese market. In three days, it's down about 5.7%. But the US, what's called the Golden Dragon China benchmark, which is an index of Chinese stocks listed in the US, has dropped 20% in three days. The Chinese yuan has gone to the lowest since April. Tencent was down 9% yesterday. They have suspended new registrations to WeChat as they upgrade to align with laws, new laws and regulations. And the main issue, of course, is the state controlling the private sector, state intervention in the private sector. And they've done that in technology stocks, property stocks, ride-hailing stocks, private education stocks, as we spoke about yesterday. Interesting stuff. We have recently, of course, foolishly, in hindsight, bought a small holding in the Asia ETF in the ETF portfolio, and we will have to think about what to do with that. Otherwise, one of the main events in the US after hours has been results from Google, and these are percentage price movements in the share price after hours. Google plus 0.6% on results, Apple minus 1.6%, Microsoft minus 0.9%, Tesla minus 1.95%, and UPS minus 7%. So not such a great showing from the big end of the US market on results so far. Of course, the main event we're waiting for is the Fed meeting, which we will wake up to tomorrow morning. Obviously, everybody's hanging on tapering the bond buying and stimulus. And we're all wondering whether the Fed can handle a tapering without upsetting the financial markets. They're doing a pretty good job so far as US markets up until last night were hitting record highs. We also have today Aussie inflation numbers. They're not going to worry every anybody. And we've got a few production numbers today. Talk of a higher bid for SKI. Open pay sales numbers That's about that. I have in the strategy piece today extracted some numbers from Shane Oliver's weekly economic and market update. Always worth reading that. And there are some interesting numbers in there. And here they are. Vaccinations are 90% effective against Delta in preventing the need for hospitalization and death. So vaccinations 90% effective in keeping you out of hospital or dying. Vaccines are 61% effective. That's the AstraZeneca, 61% effective in preventing infection. So stopping you getting symptoms and 82% for Pfizer. The UK experience has told us that vaccines are 47% effective in preventing onwards transmission of the Delta virus. And in the US, cases and hospitalizations are 25% lower in the top quartile of vaccinated states. But this is the interesting number, I thought. The Singapore experience tells us that countries with more than an 80% vaccination rate can reopen without overwhelming their hospitals. And the conclusion is that at 80% 
fully vaccinated, which is likely to happen in Australia by mid-March next year or January if we ramp up the vaccination rate. At 80% fully vaccinated, we should be able to start to live with the coronavirus in the community. And Shane Oliver writes, this is the only way to prevent snap lockdowns. And he optimistically goes on to suggest that the good news about the recent Delta COVID outbreak globally is that it has shown that lockdowns work against Delta. Poor Delta's going to have to change her name. Alpha Goodrum. The recent outbreak also shows that vaccines work and optimistic economic news is that when lockdowns end, economic activity rebounds quickly, largely due to pent-up demand, it seems. But the big one is that the Delta threat is probably going to keep fiscal and monetary policy. The whole market in the US is floated on easy monetary policy. The Delta threat will keep fiscal and monetary policy easier for longer. Easier for longer, there's your catchphrase. And he also notes that the Australian economic risk from this recent outbreak in New South Wales is short term. We should bounce back quite quickly and it will also probably delay tapering by the RBA as well. We will see what today's CPI number says. Might affect RBA thinking, but the world is not revolving around Australia or the RBA, it has to be said. So some interesting numbers. The obvious conclusion there, I don't want to be a preacher, but the obvious conclusion there is the sooner Australia gets to an 80% fully vaccinated rate, which won't happen till probably mid-March, the better. Right, a couple of other things. More nickel research. I've highlighted today a piece of Macquarie research they say we continue to see material upside risk risks to ASX base metal miners. And in their list of stocks, you can see that in the strategy piece, SFR has the most upside to their target price compared to the current share price, followed by Oz Minerals, Chalice Mining, 45% upside there, 47% on Oz Minerals, 61% on Sandfire Resources, and all the others also have significant upside to their target price. They've got an outperform on every base metals miner in their list. Have a read of that list. But this nickel, lithium, copper theme looks unlikely to go away anytime soon. I've also got a couple of bits of research in from Ordmanet, which is Bailey's on CBA saying they expect a $5 billion off-market buyback to be announced with the CBA results on Wednesday, August the 11th. And they expect cash profit up 19%. They expect a dividend of 185 cents. They have a target price of $92 against a share price of 99. And they note that the CBA is trading on a PE of 19 and a half times. So I put an exclamation mark in brackets after that. Banks at their lows trade on around seven to nine times at their highs until the recent pandemic on their highs they traded around 12 to 16 times and they're now at cba at 19 and a half times which is a 39 percent premium to its peers i wouldn't be selling cba until the whole bank sector sell falls over especially not ahead of results and dividends but predictably they say the valuation is stretched and have a hold recommendation which sums up where the banks are now after a significant rally. CBA has gone at the bottom of the pandemic. CBA has gone from below $60 to $100. After that rally, most of the brokers are running with target prices around or below the current share prices. Also highlight a couple of recommendations on Linus Rare Earths. 
both with target price of 430 cents, one from UBS, one from Ords. One of them has a lighten recommendation, the other has a sell recommendation. That chart in a very strong uptrend at the moment. Right, in order to add a bit of value in the strategy piece today, I have listed for your interest the least and most volatile stocks in the ASX 200. I started off thinking, I wonder what the riskiest stocks in the market are. And so I've listed them by weekly ATR as a percentage of the share price. And if you don't understand what average true range is, ATR, there is a link to an explanation in the strategy piece today. Average true range means how far a share price moves from the top of its range to the bottom of its range in a particular period. And you can do it daily or weekly. So a daily ATR tells you that a stock has, say it's 3%. That tells you that the average true range, which is how far it moves a day over the last 14 days on average, from the top of the range to the bottom of the range each day, average 14 days of that, and you'll get the average true range over the last 14 days. So I've looked at weekly ATRs, so it's the average range a stock trades in per week from top to bottom over the last 14 weeks. So that gives you a fairly stable idea of the volatility or risk of the stocks. You can do it over any group of stocks. Obviously, I've done it over the ASX 200 and highlighted, I, I wanted to highlight the most risky stocks. And I've listed those in the strategy piece today. But of more interest, I found was that the was to, to identify the 20, no, sorry, 30 lowest volatility, lowest risk, question mark, stocks in the ASX 200. And you can see that list in the strategy piece today. And this is quite a good list for the slower moving, more risk averse investor, identifying the least risky or most boring or safe stocks in the ASX 200. And you might have some interest in that. And I've also included in the strategy piece, the numbers on all those stocks as well. And you'll probably see there that the yield on some of these stocks is at the higher end because most of them are big, mature, all the banks are in there. There's lots of infrastructure and utility stocks which have reliable regulated returns. So the share prices tend to be less volatile. Some big healthcare, which is defensive stocks are in there as well. And there are lots of REITs in the list as well. So if you want a list of the top 30 most boring stocks in the ASX 200, but at the same time, probably the least stress stocks in the ASX 200, that list is in the strategy piece today, along with all the PEs and yields. So on the flip side, although of less interest, is a list of the top 30 most volatile stocks in the ASX 200. And you'll see in there a lot of technology stocks, a lot of resources stocks, and at the moment, which is probably a temporary thing, a lot of travel stocks. And then there are a few outliers there, Nanasonics, A2 Milk, Hub24, PointsBet also in the list. And if you look down the numbers, which are also in the strategy piece, you'll see that almost all those more volatile stocks don't have a yield at all. And a lot of them don't have a PE because they either don't make any money or the PE is astronomical because they only make a tiny little bit of money. So the bottom line is a fairly clear or predictable conclusion that the riskiest stocks tend to be smaller growth stocks and the least risky stocks are the boring predictable mature stocks.
I don't think I had to produce a load of tables and do an hour's work to teach you that. You probably already knew it, but you might find the list quite interesting. And for the growth investor, obviously, you're more interested in the stocks that don't earn any money, don't have a yield, don't have a PE, and are more volatile. Right, that's about that. As I leave you this morning, against the SPY futures down 24, our market is down 10. All the banks are down a tiny little amount. BHP and Rio both down 1%. Most of the resources taking a breather today. Technology stocks not doing too much better. Even some of the travel stocks off a little bit. Bottom line, there's not much going on. CPI number today at 11.30. FOMC, we will wake up for two tomorrow morning. See if that injects a bit of interest. You have a fabulous day and I will speak to you tomorrow.